0: And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumba I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing chumba casino coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: The Offside Rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper, Haley McQueen, and Kate Borset.
3: Hello and welcome to episode 18. 18 we're up
4: to, girls. It's a shocker. <sighs> wish I was 18 again. <laughs> we can all reminisce.
3: Um, yes, episode 18 of the Offside Rule podcast. Thank you very much for downloading and listening. And if you are new to listening to this podcast, we hope you enjoy. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. Uh, we're now available to download as well every single Thursday on iTunes. And we also go on to SoundCloud. Now, topics coming up before we have a little bit of a chat. Uh, never bet against. This is all off the back of Wigan Athletic, who we all went against, didn't we, in the FA Cup? Uh, beating Everton 3-0 at Goodison Park. Who'd have seen that coming for them to book their place in the semis at Wembley? They've shown real inconsistency all season, but are Wigan doing that end-of-season push that they always do? It made us think about other sides that you should never, ever Bet against. I've asked you both to choose one side and justify your decision. Um, We'll go on to Fantasy League wildcard. It's that time of the season. I know Hayley McQueen, out of the three of us, is the only one still dedicated to Fantasy League. How are you doing?
2: Oh, it's getting tense. It's getting <laughs> fraught. I've only got three transfers still to make before the end of the season and I'm holding on tightly. Well, we both have just abandoned ours this year, haven't we, Kate?
3: <laughs> just Aww. totally given up. I'm sorry. I did put a team in at the beginning of the season. I just haven't updated it. I just, it's one of those years it's run away with me. But we are going to play a Fantasy League wildcard. There are different rules, only slightly, but we're going to do that. It's that point in the season that anyone else who does religiously do Fantasy League will be thinking, do I play it now? Do I play it now? I'd say it's about time in the season to do so if you haven't already. Uh, We'll also talk as well um, about... Ireland because it's St Paddy's Day soon. I love St Paddy's Day. Of all the saints it's my favourite day. Um, so we are going to celebrate all things Irish with our third topic and select three Irish players each, our favourites ever. Uh, we've got a foreign correspondent joining us, Michelle Lissell, who will update us on Syria. Air. and to be quite honest, I think we should just get on with it. Faker others will have the non-league as well. Um, so let's start off with a little bit of a chat about the weekend's games. Um, we went on TalkSport, Kate and I. Now Haley, I have to say, you you were there, you were in the studio, you were on Sky Sports News at the time, we waved at
2: you. I felt the wave, I was like, oh, I just suddenly got a little flurry of, like, you know, when you get, your ear kind of warms up and someone says, they're talking about you, oh, my whole body was tingling, honestly, it really was.
3: So International Women's Day, Hawksby and Jacobs invited us in, didn't they? Mm-hmm. We went on the Falls panel, we were pretty much fools, but so was everybody else. <laughs> That's the top and bottom of it, and we're now known as the Loose Women of Football. Which I think is marvellous. (laughs) Um, But thank you very much then for having us on the show. And let's also talk about our weekends. I know that Hayley has been to Cheltenham
2: to watch the GGs and came away with a profit. I did. I can't believe it. The first race, Champagne Fever, I had a glass in one hand and I thought, can't not. Stuck five pounds on each way, came away with 50 quid. Next race, put it on number two, my favourite number. It was called Bailey's Game or Bailey something. Used to get nicknamed Haley Bailey, really, you know, original that one. So I thought, stick five quid each way on that one, came away with 50 quid again. So it's was £100 up after two races, and then I only bet £2.50 each way after that because I'm tight, and I thought, I'll save my money for drinks later.
0: <laughs>
4: and there's a funny story from Cheltenham I hear.
2: Well, yeah, I, I didn't watch too much football this weekend, unfortunately, because I had guests to stay and I had my sister. Now, my sister doesn't know anything about football. Absolutely nothing. We were in our box at Cheltenham. A few football players came in to say hello and what have you, uh, pick up tips from us because obviously they'd seen us <laughs> tweeting the knowledge <laughs> and our vast experience of racing. Me and Natalie Sawyer, yeah. I'm guessing their stake was higher than £2.50. Uh, just a bit. I had a couple of zeros <laughs> on the end, yeah. So we were slightly embarrassed. We were hiding ourselves. They are like, you girls are winning. So I was tweeting what we'd won. They didn't realise, like, oh, we'd only won 50 quid to them. That's change in the back pocket. So they come in, a couple of tips, and my sister was like, Oh, who who are these? And I said, Oh, that's the Stephen Moore, that's so and so. And I said, Oh, they play for Wolves. She's like, Alright, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna like I'm not gonna sort of, you know, rub it, like ruin myself here. I thought I'd bring this up because of you, Lynn. So she she wandered over and she was like, Hi, um I hear you play for Wolverington <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, No, 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 yeah, we play for Wolves. She went, Oh the Wolverines and she was, they were like no <laughs> Wolverhampton Wanderers my sister's absolutely nuts anyone who's met her and knows my little sister Anna she's nuts and she, she didn't care and I was like yeah I, I'm the one with the football knowledge just <laughs> leave that to me I thought you think that was quite funny Lindsay
3: yes and as we keep slipping down the
4: table I'm sure people won't know what to call us in a few years time it will have to be renamed well perhaps Hayley's sister Anna is really onto something and if you renamed <laughs> yourself the Wolverines perhaps you'd start scaling
3: up the league I've called myself a Wolverine before as in a female wolf supporter so oh, okay. she had something oh. there
2: she could have just Talked about herself. And don't worry, they all went home with the manager, the full squad, on the team bus to head back home. They were concentrating on the weekend's matches, so they weren't Mm. just there on a jolly-up, just putting putting that out there. And I had a Wolves theme this weekend as well,
3: Although I didn't expect it to happen at Aston Villa Football Club, but it did. I was I was co-hosting a charity night for a very good charity called Promised Dreams. And I will give them a plug. They're at Promised Dreams on Twitter. Uh, we raised over £11,000 with some Excellent. silent auctions and raffles and all that sort of stuff. But of course, two of their patrons turned up. Don Goodman, Steve Bull. I was in Wolves Heaven and I'm not talking about recent results.
2: Hi, I'm Charlie Nicholas at Sky Sports and I'm listening to the Offside Rule. Can't believe it, three girls talking about football. The game has lost its credibility. We're all going to lose our jobs very quickly. The girls are taking over.
3: Uh, we'll move on then and crack on with topic
4: number one. Can I just mention Liverpool's fantastic win over Tottenham? 3 no. 2. No, you can't. Well, <laughs> I am mentioning it, so there. OK, we'll crack on with topic number one um, Never
3: bet against. And this is inspired by Wigan Athletic in the FA Cup. I don't need to go
4: over that ground again. Um, so let's start with you, Kate. Who have you got? Well, I'm going to say never bet against Norwich. And I'll tell you why. I'll give you the stats. Okay, last season, it was their first season back in the top flight since 2005. They'd uh, been absent for six years. And in their first season back in the Premier League, Paul Lambert got them to 12th place. Not bad. At all, I think. That's why you never want to bet against them. This season, well, they started poorly and they had a bad run of form, really, um, which ended with a 1-0 win over Arsenal. That was followed by the club's best Premier League unbeaten run in its history. This took them uh, up to a win with Manchester United and included a few other results as well. Then they had a really poor December and January. So they've notched up a few wins since and they've only suffered one defeat to Manchester United in their last six games. They're doing better. Ultimately, my point is, you should never bet against Norwich at home in the league. They've only lost three times at home in the league this season. You can compare that to Wigan, who we've mentioned already. They've lost eight times in the league. Reading, Southampton, Sunderland, all down there, sort of near the bottom of the table uh, with Norwich. They've lost five times in the league at home. So my point, you should never bet against Norwich at home in the league. Well, I'm going to take mine into the Championship and what a year it's been in the Championship.
3: So unpredictable. I think now, the points tally to stay in that league this season is probably going to have to be a record best. It has been that tight. And the team that I'm going to go for is Never Bet against Peterborough United. (laughs) Uh, They start off the season, they have a run of eight straight defeats, and you think, put a bit of a wager on, they're never going to get any points against Hull, are they? Oh no, they go on and they beat Hull 3-1. So that went against form. Then another real bad run of form, seven defeats, one draw in eight, and they go on to meet the tabletop toppers Cardiff away and they beat them 2-1. This isn't going with any sort of form, any sort of consistency. Um, And then we also go quite recently to the 19th of February and out of nowhere, this is their biggest uh, victory this season as well. They beat Millwall at the Den 5-1, a team that have gone on, of course, Millwall to do very well in the FA Cup as well. I just don't get it. I don't get Peterborough United. I don't get where they're going to finish. And I did predict when we did have relegation Mm. um, battle and and what we think will happen, I said that Peterborough United, I thought, would go down, didn't I? Yeah, we all all did, I think, yeah. And now I'm crossing fingers and toes because hovering just above Wolves, (laughs) we're now just outside relegation (laughs) on goal difference. I think it could
2: be between us two, Peterborough and Wolves. Okay, Hayley. Mine is slightly linked. I'm going to go with one... Famous Ferguson manager <laughs> to another. Sir Alex never bet against Manchester United, scoring oh, Manchester United. scoring in the dying minutes of a game, particularly the last 10 minutes, to win it and turn things around. Uh, Van Persie with an equaliser uh, this season. A famous one was the eighth time this season uh, he has scored in the last 10 minutes of the game, while United have won 12 times in 30 matches in all competitions from those losing positions. So Sir Alex admitted as well that he's learning to relish Manchester United's terrible habit of absolutely leaving it late to achieve and clinch a result. They were trailing 2-1 in the third round tie before Van Persie scored the equaliser in that added time against West Ham, of course. And when you look at the stats with the title running fast approaching, you look at the sort of classic hallmark of a title-winning side, it is getting the goals in the dying minutes of the game to turn things around and not just win the game, but ultimately win the league. I think Manchester United, in my opinion, have got it wrapped up. Robin van Persie scored six already this season after similar scoring habits in his last season with Arsenal. It was Arsenal who had the record of scoring last-minute winners up until Van Persie signed for United. And Van Persie's made sure that Manchester United now have this particular stat, and we think it's down to him. Uh, The winner against Liverpool at Anfield, the winner versus Manchester City at the Etihad, last-minute cushion goal versus West Brom at home, uh, last route-completing strike versus Wigan away. These are just the stat. They show us that Robin Van Persie has directly earned United nine points this season just through his late strike. That is quite something.
0: The female take on football.
3: Um, well we're gonna play um, now our own fantasy league wild card because we're urging everyone who does play fantasy League football that it's about that time of the season that you should play your wild card if you haven't already however we're extending the rules because we could play many different varieties of fantasy football so we're gonna play the Lindsay variety which means <laughs> you can have any amount of money to spend so you can go big and have a real good attack however you can't have more than three players from any one side and um, that's pretty standard in the rule books isn't it uh, we' going to go no subs, so we're just going to go straight away with our formation So, can we reveal our formations first of all? I expect we might all go the same. I'm three four three, three four three, three five
4: two. Oh, okay.
3: Uh, we'll start off with goalkeeper, and I'm bringing in David De Gea. I think from Manchester United, he's been in supreme form recently. Some great stops, and I think if you tally up his points when you think of goals saved, going now to the end of the season, he probably is going to earn his
4: weight in gold. I've also gone for David De Gea. No goals conceded in the last four Premier League games. And that says everything to me. This is, of course, about likely points from now until the end of the season. So based on current form and where I think he's going to go towards the end of the season, his his form and his confidence is only going to get better and better. No goals conceded in the last four Premier League games. I've gone for him too. I'm going to stick with
2: the man who've had in goals since the very beginning of the season, and it's Joe Hart. I actually thought Manchester City would do a heck of a lot better than they have, particularly defensively. I had company in there to start with, and Hart got rid of company after a few games, I can tell you that. Thank you very much, pal. <laughs> but I'm going to stick with Joe Hart. Yes, some people say they might not have too much to play for towards the end of the season. They definitely still do, and I think Joe Hart will be looking to end his season very differently to how he started it when they were just conceding goals for fun. I'm a big fan of his as well. That
3: is one telling thing, actually, looking at my squad to do with Manchester City is that I only have one Manchester City player. Had it been this time last season, I'm sure it would have been flooded and I'd have used all three, um, but only the one. We'll go with defenders next. So we'll go with whoever we've got in our back, four or three. Um, Actually, we've all got three, haven't we? Back three. Manchester United, for me, I've gone Raphael. I've also gone Everton, Leighton Baines, and Spurs Jan Vertonghen.
4: <laughs> exactly the same as me.
2: <gasps> we are inspired, Kate say in sync like we were on Talksport. Um, again, uh, the reason for my choice is I'm sort of giving away my fantasy football Tips here, uh, my secrets. I have got Leighton Baines. I've had him since the beginning. I'm going to bring Daniel Agger in. I did have uh, Carl Jenkinson at left back, uh, but I've taken him out, up and down. Doesn't always start, of course. And uh, Robert Huth's been in there as well, so he's quite strong. I always wonder sort of about the disciplinary record up the back. But with uh, Daniel Agger, you look at sort of... Um, 11 clean sheets for him so far, which has been great. And when you look at the opposition that Liverpool are set to face, I don't actually see them conceding massive amounts of goals. I took him out at the beginning, Kate, do you remember? Because he got that red card Mm. and I started my season terribly with fantasy football. But I'm sticking him back in there.
3: I can't, still can't believe myself and Kate went for exactly the same back three. Um, I know that you're the stats woman, so is there
4: anything that you want to add to those three? Raphael, Baines, Tongan. Raphael, of course, in there because he's part of the back line that's contributed massively towards that fantastic recent Premier League record for Premier League games uh, and United not conceded a single goal. Everton's Leighton Baines, of course. His crosses are so strong, aren't they? And you can count on him um, for a few goals as well. In fact, he scored both of Everton's goals in their win against West Brom at the end of... Jan. The FA Cup loss to Wigan would have dented his pride and I think he'll fight back from that. Vertonghen, two goals against Liverpool the weekend, one in the Europa League against Inter, joined in the summer, part of that successful Spurs team, very much someone who has added to Spurs' weight and that's why they're third in the league. On to our midfield next, girls. Um, I have, across the
3: midfield, two Chelsea players, an Arsenal player and a Spurs player. Ringing any bells, Kate? Have we gone for the same again? <laughs> I think we're just about all right here. OK. okay. Um, I've gone for Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard. How are we saying it now, Haley? You're the official maestro. Hazard. <laughs> OK.
2: Yes. I forget the Christian name. That way you don't get it wrong. <laughs> Um,
3: Arsenal, I'm going for Santi Cazorla. I'm going for Juan Mata from Chelsea too. And of course, I think all of us will be the same boat with Gareth Bale for Spurs.
4: Yeah, on my left wing, I've got Bale, 10 goals and three assists in the last nine games in all competitions, I have to say, rather than just in the league. On my right wing, I've gone for Stuart Downing, actually. Since that 5-0 win against Swansea, he's looked really comfortable in that Liverpool team. He's really found his feet. He can play on the left or the right. I've got him um, on the right. Perhaps not his preferred position, but that's where I'm going to put him. Uh, Musa Dembele, uh, I've gone for. uh, Of course, Spurs fans will tell you how consistent he is. He joined from Fulham in the summer. Great buy for them. And I've gone with another Musa on Musa Tastic for my midfield <laughs> lineup Musa Sissoko now he's helped Newcastle shore things up in the Premier League he's looked great since his arrival in January you know he's settled right into that team and that's such a good sign he's only going to get more comfortable so yes yeah, so those are my four and Hayley you've got five across midfield yeah, I have done all season
2: in my actual fantasy football and I'm the highest placed girl, I might add, in the whole of Sky Sports. Just, just stop. Not that there's a differentiation and I'm not splitting men from women, but because I'm not right up at the top, I had to kind of give myself a number one for something. <laughs> um, and this actually is my midfield right now, my Sky Sports fantasy football. I've got Steven Gerrard. He's been in there since the beginning. He's been really good for me. Theo Walcott was a recent addition, actually. I swapped him for Hazard um, when he was missing for a little while. I've got Mikel Arteta in there. I quite like having an Arsenal player, particularly in the midfield at the moment.
4: Since our Oscars, I can't now picture Mikel Arteta with anything else apart from a Lego man's haircut.
2: <laughs> he is Mr Lego. Um Michael Carrick I have in there. He goes about his business very quietly. And uh, Maran Fellaini as well. I've had him in there since the beginning. I was tempted actually to say Michael
3: Carrick and that dream pass, in terms of assists, uh, that dream pass that found Hernandez, what an absolute beauty. And we all were just sitting there gobsmacked. And you're right when you say going about his business quietly. He doesn't get much of an accolade, does he really, carrot In
2: fact, he gets stick. And when you look at all the stats, I think the last six seasons in fantasy football, when you look at assists and everything, you know, your pass completion, he's been in the top five and he still gets stick. And the fans still don't have him down as they're, you know, even in their starting 11 sometimes but I love him and Paul Scholes together that's my favourite kind of midfield as far as Manchester United goes but anyway.
3: Three strikers up front for me I, I could go with the colossal strike force that would be Liverpool's Suarez I know that you're going to have this Kate, Lewis Suarez, Manchester City's Carlos Tevez and Manchester United's Robin Van Persie. however I think I'm going to sub out Robin Van Persie. I think he got his goals at the beginning of the season I think he's earned his his wages for the season and I'm going to bring in and it pains me to do it West Bromwich Albion's Lukaku.
4: So my three up front I mean again I could put Van Persie in there but I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different and I kind of agree with you Lindsay actually, he's had a great start to the season but Suarez has now overtaken him on top goal scorer in the league, 22 goals uh, in the league five goals in the last three league games a hat-trick against Wigan of course, Suarez definitely makes one of my three up front I'm then going to go because I was looking at who's likely to play, who is sure of a place because when we're amassing points we need to know that our players are definitely going to make all the games Christian Benteke, Villa's four he scored six in the last pre- seven Premier League games. Great against Reading at the weekend. He has picked up quite a few yellow cards though, so got to be wary of that. But I'm going to plump for him up front, along with Wayne Rooney. Mm. Now I've stuck our Wayne in there because I think he's got a point to prove. Now there's something rumbling at Manchester United. Four goals and two assists in the last five Premier League games. He may get a bit of stick, but he still does it for United something tells me he's really going to be really pulling out the stops from now to the end of the season.
2: That is exactly my point. I have had Robin Van Persie in my fantasy football throughout the season, have never replaced him, had him in there at the very beginning. I had quite a lot of new signings, actually, when when, when the season started. But I have swapped him for Wayne Rooney exactly the same. He's peaked. And he was dropped for that game. And he's absolutely hell-bent on going out there to show, not just Sir Alex, but everybody, that Wayne Rooney should not be dropped. Do not put baby in the corner. One of these situations, <laughs> 20 games 11 goals scored and 9 assists. And when you actually look at the teams that they're going to be playing for the rest of the season, I can see him scoring goals aplenty. The pressure's off Manchester United, in my opinion. They've got Reading, Sunderland. Yes, they have Manchester City, but they've also got Stoke, West Ham, Swansea and West Brom to end things. They also take on Arsenal and Chelsea as well. But uh, those are the games that uh, Manchester United have that I think Wayne Rooney could do big things for. And I've got Luis Suarez as well, a Manchester United and Liverpool player combining up front together. Ooh. Thank you very much for your
3: wild card entries, girls. Uh, we'll let everyone just take note of those. Maybe some people will take our advice and make swaps this week. Let us know if you do at Offside Rule Pod. Uh, coming up, we'll talk our third topic, which is all to do with St. Paddy's Day, our favourite three Irish players, and Twitter topic of the week, and a roundup on Syria. But first of all, a catch up with Faker Others and all things
0: non league. The non league roundup.
1: Thanks, ladies. I've already played my wild card, by the way. Uh, I was very impatient and played mine at the start of January. I was struggling a little bit. I bought in uh, Ian Hart and Alex Pierce from Reading, Luis Suarez and Russell Martin, and all four of them are still in my team and doing very well. So it was quite a successful wild card. And I'm actually third in your league, Lindsay Hooper. And I wish there was a non-league fantasy football game, but alas, no. It has been an interesting week, though, with Wrexham still top of the Blue Square Bet Premier after coming from behind on Tuesday to beat Lincoln. Great result for Mansfield. Moves them into second and level on points with Wrexham. They beat promotion rivals Grimsby 2-0. They're now fifth. Mansfield also set a new club record of eight straight wins as well. Forest Green just behind Grimsby after beating Southport 2-1. Macclesfield's playoff hopes, though, weren't helped by a goalless draw against Woking. They're now nine points off of fifth place. I have been uh, avoiding this result hard. Hyde lifted themselves out of the relegation places with a 2-1 win over Luton. Um, Well done, Hyde. Forgive me if I move swiftly on. Alfreton beat Ebbsfleet uh, and Barrow drop into the bottom four after defeat to fellow strugglers Stockport. Uh, so a recap of the top and bottom quickly for you. Wrexham in automatic promotion spot. Mansfield, Kidderminster, Newport and Grimsby in the playoffs. And uh, Barrow, Nuneaton, Ebbsfleet, and Telford occupying the bottom four spots as it stands. Now elsewhere this week, you may or may not have seen the rare occurrence of a game being abandoned because there weren't enough players on the pitch. Uh, the Saturday just gone in the Ryman Premier League, Wingate and Finchley had five players sent off in their tie against Thurrock. You're not allowed less than seven players on your team, so with Thurrock leading 1-0, the match was stopped in the 85th minute as Wingate's fifth player saw red. I went and had a little look back at the record books, and the last time I saw that something similar had happened um, in the league was Sheffield United's game against West Brom back in 2002, with the Blades losing 3-0. They had three men sent off, and then two limped off injured, so the referee had to stop the game after 82 minutes. Tweet me if you can remember any more of those kind of things. At Faker others, and I'll bring you more non-league news next week.
3: Thank you very much, Faye. Well, it is St. Patrick's Day this week as this podcast is released. So a lot of you will be going out having a few bevies. I go out quite a lot in Liverpool to St. Matthew Street with one of my best friends. I've been there a couple of times and it is a carnival atmosphere up there for St.
4: Patrick's Day. I
3: suppose Liverpool it would be, wouldn't it?
4: Yes, it would be. Yeah. So it's Sunday 17th of March, St. Patrick's Day. It should be a good one. Well, we have used and adopted that theme
3: for three of our favourite ever Irish players. Justify your choices,
4: ladies. And, Kate, I'm going to hand over to you first. Okay, I've got a couple who never really did it when playing on an international level for Ireland, but arguably two of those three, um, quite dominant in the league. The first one I'm going to go for is someone who I don't think you can mention Republic of Ireland uh, and not mention him, Liam Brady. Uh, What a fantastic player for Arsenal. Jack Charlton went against the grain though, and he didn't really fancy Brady for international football. But Brady had, you know, just a just a magical left foot. Um, probably one of the most skillful players to come out of Ireland. Actually, he did play quite a, a pivotal role in Ireland's qualifying campaign for Euro '88 and missed the tournament because of injury. And injury did blight uh, some of his international career. Um, He, of course, went on to uh, lift the cup, when his cup with Arsenal, had a fantastic career with Arsenal, really one of their best. He then left for Juventus. And I I guess what's spectacular about him, particularly at that time, was the fact he enjoyed such a strong and rich career with Arsenal and made the transition over to Italy so well. You know, he shared the pitch with the likes of Paolo Rossi, Marco Tardelli, Dino Zoff and... notched up some fantastic games there. He won two league titles um, over in Italy and was known as the team's regista, the goal scorer and the conjurer who made things happen with his left foot. The next one did get on on an international level and um, this one's a, a great pick actually, even if I do say so myself, because, <laughs> <laughs> because his his life off the pitch didn't emulate what happened on the pitch at all he had huge drink problems he was very shy and timid off the pitch but on the pitch and I'm talking about Paul McGrath here he was uh, something of a magician and a very reliable um, sort of giant there I suppose one of Ireland's most loved sporting heroes he rarely disappointed in his 12 year Irish career and um, I was reading a couple of bits about him and someone's just said look they just don't build them like that anymore Jack Charlton got the best out of him um, in terms of his uh, Ireland career. He was deployed as a defensive midfielder. He read the game brilliantly, one step ahead of the opposition and he's certainly well remembered um, for a game against Italy at the 1994 World Cup um, where uh, McGrath for 90 minutes kept Italian superstar striker Roberto Baggio in his back pocket giving one of the finest defensive performances ever seen at a World Cup. That's Paul McGrath. I'm going to go with a home favourite for the next one because I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm going to mention Ronnie Whelan. Again, you know, he's probably one of the most decorated players at club level um, in terms of people who've played for Ireland Um, but his international career wasn't as successful as it should be. The Republic of Ireland were at their most talented and successful between about 88 and 94. Of course, Jack Charlton in for a lot of that. Competition for places was tough. Ronnie William won so much. 12 major honours as a Liverpool player and was such a fundamental part of one of the greatest English club sides of all time and they really, you know, these are Liverpool's golden years fantastic on a club level never really did it on an international level but those are my three picks okay let's pass it over to Haley.
2: god you're all gonna hate me there's a Manchester United theme two Man United yeah. players who played for Republic I'll just do two because my other was going to be Liam Brady that was one of the first guys I thought of when I was thinking Republic of Ireland another Irishman that I absolutely love is of course George Best but with him being Northern Irish We will count this out of this one. But when you look at the Republic, a wonderful team that it is and the fun that we've had supporting them over the recent years as well as years in the past, you look back at teams where you have the generations of you had your Shea Given, Richard Dunn, Damien Duff, Robbie Keane uh, and John O'Shea as well. You had this lot and you kind of watched them as a unit together grow up for Ireland, maybe not performing uh, amazingly at club level, i.e. achieving an awful lot but they step away and they suddenly become heroes for their national side because John O'Shea was a man, again, a bit like Michael Carrick, goes about his business very quietly. Did you know Man United's top appearance makers under Sir Alex Ferguson, you've got Giggs, skulls, Neville, Irwin, Beckham, all those guys up there. John O'Shea is up there, number 11. He is one of those players, he's dependable, he's versatile, he can step into goal if needs be, he has done that. There's moments uh, where... A manager cannot do without a player like John O'Shea. He's a lovely person as well, a really nice down-to-earth guy that if you met him, you wouldn't believe that he was a footballer if you weren't into football. Teams are normally built around players. This is a player that was kind of built around a team, I guess, but when it came to, to the Republic, he would be the first person that, in my opinion, you would put down on your team sheet. Career almost internationally perhaps coming to an end, but he's still experienced the next couple of years, can help that younger generation coming through. Uh, The other one I've got is uh, Kevin Moran. Uh, Love the stories on Kevin Moran when I hear from my dad and ex-Manchester United players. He just seems like a real good character and whilst I didn't really grow up watching him play football, I was a little bit too young, um, he is just a guy that I just think sums up a traditional stereotypical Irishman He's just brilliant. He loves a drink. He's fun. He's got a great sense of humour. And the character that he had on the pitch was as big as his character off it. There's, there's no different size to this guy. What you see is what he get. He was a warrior as well, wasn't he, on the football pitch? Like the ultimate warrior Moran. Um, yeah, not like dirty, but just just tough, rough and ready, if you know what I mean. Uh, fearless as well. So he uh, spilt his own blood on many occasions, not too much others, but he was absolutely uh, up there in terms of going forward and not caring what on earth he was going up against. Um, He has a distinction as well of having won both the FA Cup and the GAA All-Ireland Football winner's medal. Of course, Gaelic football in Ireland, it's absolutely huge. So for just a man who, for me, sums up an Irish footballer, He would be it from back beyond in that generation. And I'm really sorry, anyone who's listening who hates Manchester United, (laughs) you're going to hate me. Um, I'm
3: going to go for a Wolves theme for my first one, (laughs) a Wolves-nurtured player. Uh, Robbie Keane, and I think the, the stats speak for themselves, he is the top goal scorer for Ireland. 51 goals, 31 more than the nearest which right. is Niall Quinn, which is pretty mm-hmm. amazing stuff. So I've gone for him. I've gone for another Keane, a Manchester United player, Hayley. Uh, Roy Keane. When you said two Manchester United players, I thought you were going to bring him out your bag. But no, brilliant captain, I think, just first and foremost. And a great one that you put on the team sheet straight away. Um, uh, It kind of galvanises a team, puts fear into the opposition um, and never afraid
4: of a good tackle like that about him. I love your expression, pulling Roy Keane out of your bag, because I'd quite like a mini Roy Keane in my handbag. I think that'd be brilliant. If you're at a customer service point making a complaint, you just bring out your mini Roy Keane and he has a pop. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> pull a little cable in his back and then he just says something.
4: <laughs> I think it'd be brilliant.
3: Um, and my last one is Ray Houghton um, scored some of the greatest mm. goals for Ireland. Um, the only goal that defeated Bobby Robson's England. Um, and of course, for the Irish contingency who listen to this, that will be a memorable day for them. And the goal to defeat Roberto Baggio's Italy in 1994. I always remember just from footage, because again, I'm a little bit earlier than my time, but from the footage I've watched of him, great dribbler. Great dribbler of the ball. I love that. And
4: I love players that don't have to look at their feet. He was he was really, really handy. Very, very nifty. I love Ray as a person as well. So um, if I hadn't have gone for Ronnie Whelan, I would have gone for Ray.
0: Hi, I'm Paul Merson and you're listening to the Offside Rule Podcast.
4: Well, that's that done and dusted, and it
3: means just two more things to do. Twitter topic of the week, and then we'll get our foreign roundup. Uh, we'll start with Twitter topic of the week. It's been a great one this week. I've been watching them all come in on our Twitter account, at Rule Pod. Um, I know, Hayley, you'd noticed a few of the songs coming in and humming, and Kate
2: even brought in a song sheet with her. <laughs> Love it. But it's trying to find the clean ones, isn't it, where there aren't naughty words put in that rhyme with other things. It's quite difficult. These football fans, we're a, we're a rowdy, naughty bunch. Inspired by Mark Bright, who tweeted on Sunday evening, asking
3: Orient fans for some of their fan songs. We will go with Best Funniest Chance and What Has Come In. We were so inundated this week that I've just had to rifle through them. Um, let's go for Daniel Coin first of all, who's at Daniel underscore Coin underscore 89. For former Newcastle legend Habib Bey, and Kate loves doing this one, so I'm going to hand it over to Kate. She's the singer in the group.
4: Sunday, Monday, happy bay Tuesday, Wednesday, happy bay I think The happy days theme <laughs> Yeah,
3: absolutely um, Scott Murphy, who's a bit of a regular but I still like this one City fans to Barnsley when they were 4-0 up last Saturday said, you should have stayed in the wall pack stayed, stayed in the wool pack There you are, you're better than this I'm just going to hand the microphone to you for the song bits <laughs> um, AJ, who's at Brit Crick Fan on Twitter When you're sat in road This is my favourite, I think
4: you, you sing it When you're sat in and the ball hits your head that's the Mora. <laughs> That's Amora.
3: <laughs> Brilliant, I love that one. It's a classic, isn't it? Richard Buxton said, you should have stayed on the telly. Um, that was Liverpool fans, if we recall Kate Borsay. To Alan Shearer during his caretaker spell as Newcastle boss. Um, thank you, Richard, for that. Amjad, he's another regular uh, listener to the offside rule. Um, this one's a great Luis Suarez one. Your teeth are offside and you do two verses of that. Um, <laughs> United fans, Hayley,
4: chanting at the Liverpool striker. Have you ever indulge. Of course not. I'm so well behaved. I think as far as the Man United fans going, chanting at Luis Suarez, there's probably a lot more that they have to say than your teeth are offside. Okay, well, those are our favourites. There were lots more, so sorry if we didn't get a chance to read them all out. Whenever I go and watch Charlton, and I haven't been this season, so I should qualify this, but... Back in the days, there used to be an advert come on the um, digital scoreboard at the valley and it was a goldfish. In fact, Lindsay, you might be able to qualify this for me because I'm not sure if you've been to the valley this season, but there used to be a goldfish and it was for a company called Breathe who did some sort of um, internet or insurance product or something a bit like that. And the Charlton fans, whenever this goldfish swam along, used to go, fish, and a couple of times again, you would hear the Charlton fans going, fish, and everyone's
3: like, what the hell's going on? What? I can qualify. that I am always at Charlton. That seems to be my home in London. I always start my season there. I I don't think I've seen the thiege this
4: season. <laughs> it's, it's legendary. It's absolutely brilliant. And uh, on an LFC theme now, uh, here is a song apparently currently sung by Hearts fans. Now, Michael Ngu, who's um, a Liverpool youth player, has gone up on loan uh, to Hearts. And they've made up this chant for him, and I think it's rather good. So I'm going to have a go at the first couple of lines. He's just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off Ngu. He's got a brilliant first touch. We want to buy him so much etc, etc. It's it's a really good little one. <laughs> okay,
3: thank you. For it. it was only eight lines. You could have done the other
4: four. Mm, I've
2: got two. Can okay. I give you some food-related ones? Yeah. I think these are quite funny. <laughs> I don't know why, but I found myself highly amused because obviously we all know your traditional chants and all the famous ones sung by you know different clubs, but there's those little ones that you don't really hear about or they're specific to that one particular game for that Opposition that may never come back. Um, a one off moment of inspiration for Scotland fans when they threatened the Italian fans with the Scottish culinary delights. I can't speak today, can I? We're going to deep fry your pizza. We're going to deep fry your pizza. We're going to deep fry your pizza. That was the threat to the Italian fans. The only threat was a chant from the crowd, not the players, I'm afraid. Mamma mia. Ah, yes. And a shish kebab, anyone? You're shish and you know you are. You're shish and you know you are. Sung by Chelsea fans at Stamford Bridge when they welcomed Galatasaray, the Turkish side. There you go. They tickled me. (laughs)
3: <laughs> they are very good. I love that one. We'll have another uh, Twitter topic of the week that will appear on our Twitter account at some point this week. So keep your eyes out at Offside Rule Pod. Uh, finally, we'll go over to Michelle Lissell now, who's done us an update of everything Serie A. So if you want to know what's been happening, Michelle is going to tell
0: us. Since we last were together, not much has changed in the race for the Scudetto. In fact, it looks like it now could be over. Juventus, with 10 games to play, has a nine point lead over Napoli. The old lady hoping for title 29. What to make a Napoli, though, just two points up on AC Milan in second, who lost Gianpaolo Pazzini to injury this past weekend. The Naples club mired in a seven-game winless streak in all competitions, super striker Edison Cavani in troublesome form, having not scored since January 27th, and with the arrival of a second child last week, perhaps nappies are more top of mind. Belated happy birthday to Inter Milan, who celebrated a mere 105 years in existence recently. Massimo Moratti's club still vying for Champions League, qualification and doing it without Diego Melito, who was out for the season after a cruciate knee injury. A loss to Bologna over the weekend wraps a tough week for Inter, who imploded against Spurs in Europa League play. Former United striker Luis Saha said last week he wants to stay at Lazio beyond this season. He joined in February as cover for the injured Miroslav Klausa, but has played very little. Palermo continues to baffle, sacking for the second time this season Gian Piero marini the sicilians have now had more management changes this season than wins four to three in favor of the coaches at the time of this recording the favorite to take the post giuseppe sanino who yes was coaching the team at the start of the season palermo is five points from safety and another sacking of note Pescara now with their third manager in charge this season christian Bucci takes over the club and the title of youngest gaffer in Serie A. great to be back ladies until next time the female take on football.
3: Thank you very much to Michelle. Uh, we'll be back again, of course, next week. We're out
4: every Thursday, girls. Not just on the town, but in an offside rule pod form. I'm gonna make up um a Craig David song that involves the offside rule pod coming out on a Thursday, I think. Well you have now verbally declared that. <laughs> it needs to be fulfilled.
2: If you're Thursday for your football from a female point of view, <laughs> tune in. Only on a Thursday. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Never on a Friday. Um, OK, at Offside Rule Pod. Follow us on Twitter. We've got a Facebook page. And please download iTunes. Tell your friends. SoundCloud every Thursday. Bye for now.
0: The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan, and a Liverpool fan. Produced by Sarah Grum.